Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. Now, it's been a long time. It has been a very long time. There is no denying it. I believe the last episode we had was back in May and it's now going on July. So, and I I would apologize, but I feel like there's also nothing to apologize for because we have all just been going through it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but first let me get all of the the appropriate things out of the way. So, welcome back. If you are new here, welcome. My name is Shakira. I am the host of this podcast and I am also the host of another podcast entitled Black History Moments. Over on that podcast, we talk about different stories of black historical figures that we don't hear about on a regular basis and they are not listed in our history books. So if you're interested in black history and hearing about names that you have not heard about before, I encourage you to go and check that podcast out as well. So welcome. Now, if it's not your first time hearing my voice, if you have been a friend of the podcast, if you have been a carefree family member of the podcast, thank you for tuning in again and sticking with me through this very difficult time that we have all been going through so thank you I appreciate you and welcome back I am going to skip the carefree updates so usually we have our welcome we go into our carefree updates and then we go into our topic of whatever we are discussing that particular week We're skipping the carefree updates just because I believe that the entire topic and everything that we're going to be talking about today is the update. So we're going to have a break for our sponsors. And then when you hear my voice again, we'll be talking about everything that has happened over the course of these very long weeks. So stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, guys, so I am going to be completely and utterly honest with you all. I don't have a script. I haven't written down any points. I don't know what exactly I'm going to be talking about today, if this podcast is going to be completely linear or if it's going to be all over the place. I don't know. So bear with me as I try to just kind of navigate these emotions and thoughts that I've been having over the course of the weeks that I have been absent from the podcast, just bear with me and try to follow along. So the last time we spoke, I believe that one of the carefree updates we had was in reference to Amal Arbery and Breonna Taylor. That the Tuesday 
that I was going to post a new podcast episode. I already know what the podcast episode was going to be about because I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Abigail. Hi, Abigail, if you're listening, about what I wanted to talk about specifically. And I'm holding off on that. We're probably going to talk about it the next week. So the week following this podcast episode, because I kind of want to have a friend on to talk to me about that topic um, because it's something that you kind of need someone there to help you. And to be honest, I think for the next few weeks, I'm going to have to have a guest or a few guests on the podcast just so I can ease back into this because it's kind of difficult for me right now to be talking by myself. Usually I'm okay with it, but right now I feel like I just need guests to help me along because it's been very difficult for me, but we're going to get into that. So anyway, that week I knew what I was going to be talking about. I, let's see, Monday was Memorial Day, I believe. It was Memorial Day, so everyone was off work. Tuesday, I get in my car, you know, I wake up, I get dressed and I get ready. Um, I had a project that I was working on for video editing. As many of you know, I am a video editor, um, storyteller, content creator, etc, etc. And I had a project that I was working on for a film festival, some trailers that needed to be edited. So I had gotten dressed and I, you know, I woke up, I did my makeup because we have been quarantined for a long time I think since March we have been quarantined so I was like let me just put my makeup on so I can feel good about myself I can go in here you know I haven't been anywhere recently so let me just feel nice about myself right so I do all of that I get in my car and I drive to the place that I was going my place of work right and as soon as I park Usually, if I'm not in a rush, if I arrive somewhere super early, I will, you know, park, turn my car off or, you know, get on my phone to just browse through social media very quickly. Right. Well, as soon as I open Twitter, I see a video of a black man lying on the ground. He's being pinned to the ground by about looks like three or four police officers at a glance and I did not watch the video I watched a few seconds and I heard him saying that he couldn't breathe and I immediately like closed the video out and I scrolled up into the comments to see what was going on because I have told you all several times that I cannot take black trauma on television even if it's fictional I just I can't consume a lot of black trauma just because It happens all the time. It happens all the time. So if I can help myself by not consuming that kind of content, I will go out of my way to do so. Right. So I scroll through the comments and I see that his name is George Floyd. And I see that this had happened the day prior. So on Memorial Day. And I was thinking, what is going on? So I keep scrolling and I find out that he actually was killed during that instance. And some it's hard to explain. I think that a lot of black people will understand where I'm coming from when I try to put these thoughts and emotions that I have been having into words, because sometimes you can't put them into words, but we try to. So I felt heartbroken. I felt angry. 
And I also felt like, again, again, like we had just talked about Breonna Taylor. We had just talked about Amal Aubrey. We had just talked about Sean Reed. And here it was, another person, another black person being killed by the police. So I, you know, I, I'm, you know, mentally I have shut down. Mentally I've shut down, but as a black person, as a black woman, I have realized that the world just keeps going. Like whether you like it or not, the world keeps going, the world keeps spinning, everything presses onward whether you like it or not. So mentally I had clocked out, even though I hadn't even gone inside the building yet to start working. And I felt like this pit in my stomach where I had to, again, y'all bear with me because I'm trying to put all of this into words. I felt this pit in my stomach where it's like, okay, I have to go in here and act like nothing is wrong with me. I have to go in here and put on a mask and act as if I'm perfectly okay. I am bubbly. I'm happy to be here when in all reality, I am not. Like, I am mentally and emotionally drained. I don't want to be here. I'm angry. I would rather be kickboxing something. I would rather be tearing something up or in a bathroom crying right now. But I have to go in here and put up a good front as if everything is okay. And black people have had to do that forever. Forever. We have always had to had to put up these facades as if we are happy, as if we are content. But People from our community are being killed, literally murdered, and we just have to act like everything is fine. But it was something about the passing of George Floyd where it felt like the veil had finally been lifted off of America's eyes and not even just America, but globally, the world's eyes when it comes to racism, not just for black people, but for indigenous people for Indian people, for Hispanic people. It's amazing. The and it's I can't even quite wrap my mind around it. It's amazing the outpour that not just the black community has received during this time, but other communities for minority people. It's it's beautiful, but it's also like it took another death for that to happen. And I I feel like black people have, well, I can't speak for all black people. I'm speaking for myself personally. The name of this podcast is The Carefree and Black Diaries. <laughs> the whole purpose of this podcast when I created it was to have a space in a little corner of the internet where black people, initially it was just black people, but it has grown and I have gotten messages and DMs from Hispanic people, from white people, um, everyone who has reached out to me and said, hey, I listened to your podcast and I'm like, that is great. Thank you. Um, but it's, it, I created it to be a little corner of the internet where people could come and escape the things that you have to face every single day, especially as a black person. 
that hopefully in these 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, even if it's just 20 minutes of an episode, that you can take your mind off of something that you are fighting, something you're battling in your community, in your personal life, that you can just come here. And for that little bit of time, you can escape that or forget it, or you can get a laugh or you can get some new information or just an escape. So that was the whole purpose of this podcast. And we have talked about so much during the two years that this podcast has been around when it comes to our community and black people. We've talked about systemic racism. We've talked about police shootings. We've talked about redlining in neighborhoods. We've talked about loans in the education system. We have talked about so much when it comes to the black community for two years on here. And I went to an all-black school, K-12. through After I graduated from 12th grade, I went to an HBCU. I went to FAMU in Tallahassee, Florida. And all these years of my life, I feel like we've been talking about the issues and the plights of black people. But in talking about those issues, it felt like we were just shouting into the abyss. We were just shouting into this void where no one could hear us but our own people, and sometimes not even our own people, Candace Owens. So it's just like, finally, it's, it's almost disappointing in a way because it took all of this for people to finally click and say, oh, you guys have been saying this this whole time. Oh, wow, how can we help? And I don't want to sound ungrateful, But it's almost like demeaning in a way because we have been talking about these same issues for years, for years. And it took someone to be killed and for a 17-year-old girl to record it all on camera for something to finally click. And I just don't get it. It's like I'm, I'm torn because a part of me is happy that this is happening It's like a new age of civil rights movements. But then the other part of me is like, why did it take this? Why did it take a six-year-old child losing her father for something to finally happen? And y'all, I am a puddle of tears right now. I am a a walking bag of tears right now. So if I cry or if you hear my voice crack, if it sounds, if you like... She sounds like she's about to cry. Maybe I am. I probably am. And I might be crying. But I haven't spoken about these issues out loud besides with, um, like, my mom and my dad and my niece and my best friend, Jasmine. So it's my first time really putting all of this into words, especially on a platform for the world to hear. So just bear with me. I'm sorry if I cry. I'm just very emotional. <laughs> it's a lot going on. So, you know, I, I that's how I feel when it comes to that. And it's just, it's almost like this isn't the first time that this has happened. And I, I kind of feel like where were all these people when we had all of these other deaths in our community? Like, where were you? Where were you? And I, I And this isn't to make anyone feel bad. Because I don't want to make anyone feel bad for just now becoming an ally or just now finding out what it is that you need to do. 
I don't know if it was just the perfect storm where we had these killings of black people back to back to back. And then we were also um, without sports. We didn't have the NBA or the NFL as a distraction. Um, We have less television and film to consume because the movie theaters are closed and TV shows aren't filming. So they're just running reruns and everyone is tired of watching Netflix. And then you have... um, everyone having to social distance and quarantine. So we just didn't have as many distractions as we usually have when these things happen, because usually this is what happens. A black person gets killed. The media runs it for a day or two. And then it's covered by another story three days later. And you only stay up to date with what has happened in the case if you go out of your way to read up on what is going on. But now, this time, we had COVID. So it was just the perfect storm. People didn't have distractions. People were sick and tired of the government. People's stimulus money is gone. So it was like, oh, wow, this is really happening on in our country. To some people, they felt like that. But a lot of Black people were like, uh, yeah, and This has been happening, and we've been telling y'all for years. So, I don't know. It's it's a terrible, you know, way that it had to happen, but I am still thankful that it is happening. And now that our timelines are kind of going back to normal, I'm also kind of sad and nervous about it because I don't want us to lose the momentum that we built During this time, I don't want us to become distracted again by little things that don't matter, i.e. a beef between J. Cole and No Name. I don't want us to be distracted by things that have no place. Like, And that's one thing, too, that I have discovered over these past few weeks. We put so much attention into things that don't matter. Who's wearing what? Who's dating who? Who has a new video? Did this lyric, did she say this lyric in terms of this rapper? Is she throwing shade at this rapper? We put so much of our time and energy into those things and they don't matter. (laughs) Like, they don't matter. So I hope that this time has given us some lights to re-examine our priorities And to really find out what we want to spend our time and energy talking about, um, advocating for, spending money on, because we have been spending more money on black businesses. So I just hope that we keep it up. And I did want to say, you know, when, when Trayvon Martin was murdered, he was 17 years old. And I was 17 years old, too. So we were the same age and he was living in Florida and so was I. And I distinctly remember when he was murdered, how helpless I felt. Um, It was like it infuriated me. And I kept asking myself as a 17 year old and it's just like some 17 year olds don't even can't even fathom the issues and the trauma that we have had to deal with from young ages, from young ages. Um, and, and I have had to think about different events in my life that I have suppressed over time. 
and I realized, okay, those are those were traumatic events that I never was able to fully address. And I wasn't able to address them because I was just a kid and I didn't know how to. And I just felt like as a black person, OK, this is normal. This is our life. This is what we have to deal with. And you just have to keep going. So you just package it up in a box and you keep going about your day. When I was in middle school, one of my friends, um, the I remember I had and this was something that I didn't even think was traumatic or like pivotal I thought this was normal and this is the life for so many black people but I had gotten home from school one day and it was I think it was like eight or nine o'clock now this was before like iPhone I had a virgin mobile flip phone if you know what that is shout out to you um I had a virgin mobile flip phone I had it was the kind where you had to get minutes on it. So this, I didn't even have a plan. You had to buy minutes from Walmart to put on your phone. And one of my friends called me and she said, mind you, I'm in middle school. I don't know if it was sixth, seventh. It couldn't have been eighth grade because the friend that she was calling in reference to was in eighth grade and she was a year older than me. So I had to be in seventh grade. So how old are you in seventh grade? Like 14, 13, I don't know. So one of my friends called me and she's like, um, I'm not going to say her name. Let me see. I'm I'm going to come up with a name. Diamond. Not my friend Diamond. That was a terrible instance. <laughs> Let me come up with another name. Um, Chanel. I just say Chanel. So my friends called me. Well, my friend calls me and she's like, Chanel has just been shot. Mind you, I'm seventh grade. I'm in seventh grade. And this friend that she's calling, Chanel, is in eighth grade. And she's like, Chanel's been shot. And I'm like, what? Like, huh? You can't even begin to process those emotions. And I'm like, what happened? Is she okay? She's like, we don't know. Um, I guess the friend that called me was a friend of one of her cousins. And she knew that we were friends. And so I told my mom. And she was like, okay, we'll see about it tomorrow and everything. I get to school the next day. I find out that she was okay, but she had been shot in a drive-by in her neighborhood. And it was just something that, you know, she got to school a few days later, if not like a week later. And she had been shot in her leg. I remember she was shot in her leg and she showed us where the bullet went in and where they had to take the bullet out. And she was just talking about how someone else was on because she was on the porch with like one of her cousins and someone else like a friend. One of her cousins had been shot. It was like a drive by. And she was just detailing all of the events. And it. I mean, we talked about it. And I think the next day we were talking about something else like this is normal. This is OK. But this is the life of so many black people. We have to deal with traumatic events and never really get to address those situations because we just have to keep pressing on. And another situation that I have had to come to terms with is the fact that I never really recovered from the police shooting someone that I went to school with. And he is not a well-known, you know, air quotes name on the media, you know, when you hear about these different stories, people say Sandra Bland, they say Trayvon Martin, 
They say Philando Castile, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner, but you don't hear his name as much, but his name was Jonathan Farrell. And Jonathan went to my school for as long as I can remember, the same school that I have been telling you all about forever, the all-black school, K-12. And he was older than me. It was him and he had another brother. His brother was a little bit younger than him. But he had just graduated from college. Was he in college or did he graduate from college? I can't remember. But he went on to play football at FAMU, the university. And Jonathan was one of the sweetest individuals that you could ever meet in your life. He was always so mild-mannered, so even-tempered. I mean, you never saw him upset. He was always smiling and happy. And Jonathan, what happened to him was one night, it was at night, and Jonathan had a darker skin tone. And he had some issues with his car. So he got out of the car and he knocks on a lady's door who happened to be a white lady because he was trying to get help with his car. I believe he had like a flat tire. And she called the police. The police show up and shoot Jonathan several times, killing him. And I remember when that happened, I was in high school. Yeah, I was in high school. I think I was in 12th grade when that happened. And so, wow, now that I'm thinking about it, this happened and also Trayvon around the same time. Actually, Jonathan happened a year, I just checked, a year after Trayvon Martin, but it was still like back-to-back um, situations. And when I found out, I could not believe it because when you hear about these different situations and these different stories, you see the family members, you see the friends, and you see the communities, but for it to actually happen to someone you know is like another a completely different level of hurt and pain. I have yearbooks in my house with Jonathan in it. I have pictures in my house right now with Jonathan in it. And all he wanted, you know, every time I think about it, it's like all he needed was help. He just needed help with his car. Something so simple, something as small as that cost him his life because someone called the police because they felt that their life was in danger because he was a black man. He was tall. He was buff. And he could seem intimidating to you, but he was a gentle giant. And I realized that I'd never really recovered from that. It was just something that I kind of suppressed, but with everything that has been going on, and I've been just like trying to remember different things, and I remember that specifically. And I thought to myself, Shakira, you never healed from that. You just kept going. You just kept pushing. I was in college when it happened, and I couldn't. You, We don't get an opportunity to just stop. We don't have an opportunity to just say, hey, hold on. I know that I'm supposed to be doing this homework. I know that I'm supposed to be going to this job, but I just need a second to breathe because I'm grieving. We don't get that opportunity. So I never had the opportunity to really grieve his loss um, because we just had to keep going. And it's just like, what can you do? <sighs> What can you do when a system that claims to protect and to serve doesn't actually keep its promise to you? 
we knew this from the beginning. Like we knew that the system was not built for us. We knew that protect and serve was not meant for us specifically and like what can you do when lady justice air quotes is supposed to be equal and just but verdicts tell you time and time again otherwise that she is not impartial that she is not blind to race she is not blind to power she is not blind to wealth what can you do about that because those systems are ingrained in our society it's systemic and it angers me when I see politicians and wealthy people on the news saying that racism isn't systemic or there's no such thing as systemic racism. If that's the case, why do we have voter suppression? Why did we have redlining in our communities? Why did we have banks, including Wells Fargo, hand out what they called internally ghetto loans in the black communities, going to the black churches, to coerce the black ministers and preachers into getting their flock, their congregation, to get these loans that were just going to inflate. How is that not systemic? In the education system, when you have a lower class um, black people or middle class black people in black neighborhoods whose children have to go to the schools in that area and those schools aren't giving the same amount of funding as other schools. How is that not systemic? It's not equal. The access to opportunity and resources is not equal. So it really has bothered me over the past few weeks when I've seen politicians on CNN and MSNBC saying, oh, systemic racism is just a myth. It's just a myth. It's something that they just came up with. Are you serious? Are you serious? And let me just hop off that because I will go on and on and on. If you want to learn more about systemic racism, check out the episode from last October, October 2019. The entire month we did a series called Blacktober. One of those episodes covers in depth what systemic racism is if you need more um, information on that. But it's, it's things like that. It's things like that that really bother me. And it's just like, what can you do when you know for yourself that any of these people could have been your brother, could have been your father, could have been your cousin, your sister, your mother, your aunt, your friend? Like, what can you do? And we can feel helpless a lot of times as black people. Like, we say all these things for years. We have just been asking and telling people we don't like that. That's racist. Treat us fairly. Stop policing our neighborhoods so heavily. Pay us equally. Stop killing us. And for years, it felt as if no one heard us or no one cared. Dylan Roof, who went to, and this case just really boils my blood, because he went to a black church and he prayed with them during their Bible study before he started shooting up the church. He prayed with them. That's that's a different kind of evil. That's a different kind of hate. That you can't even begin to... If you don't have that kind of hatred in you, you can't even begin to understand who would do something like that, who would do such a thing. But he did. And black people have been killed for 
stop signs. Black people have been killed during routine traffic stops. This man killed people in the church and they took him alive. And when he said he was hungry, they took him to Burger King. Do you see what I'm trying to say? He killed people and took they took him to Burger King because he said he was hungry. Jonathan, my friend, needed help with his car. And they killed him before he even had an opportunity to open his mouth and say why he stopped. Sandra Bland pulled over. They said that it was a suicide. I do not believe that Sandra Bland killed herself. I do not believe that it was a suicide. I believe that it was a police cover-up. And they killed her. Eric Garner, Flando Castile, George Floyd. The list goes on. Tatiana Jefferson. The list goes on and on and on. It's endless. It's far deeper than the names that we hear all the time. There are so many more. We have to do something. We have to do something. This is deeper than policing and the criminal justice system. Racism exists in education, in job searches, on the job, in housing, in healthcare, in film, in entertainment, in sports, in food, food deserts. That's a form of it. This is deeper than what we can even begin to realize. So my parting words to you are to please do not allow distractions to take you off the course of this path that we have began fighting because this is not new. This is not something that just happened. This has been around for years. And I do believe with every piece of my being that this can be the generation to end this. We can be the generation to put a stop to this and we can bring about actual change. Now, that is not to say that previous generations did not do what they had to do. This is not to diminish the works of previous generations and previous activists because because of them, we are able to have this actual change today. If it were not for them, we wouldn't even be in this situation. It would be worse, right? Like, if you can even imagine that, it would be worse than it is right now. So I commend them, and I am thankful for each and every one of them. Do not downplay their struggles. Do not downplay the moments that they had in history. That whole idea of we are not our ancestors, we will beat your behind, is really disheartening to see because... If it were not for our ancestors, we wouldn't even be here. So don't diminish what they accomplished during their lifetimes. Please stay the course, even if it gets difficult. Remember that you can take a break. You can breathe. I actually forgot something now that I'm thinking about it. This is what took me so long, too, to come back. I was, if you follow me on Instagram and if you also follow the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast page, you know that I was protesting in Tallahassee, Florida. The first day I went to protest, I saw a girl 
who is named Toyin. Toyin was out there protesting. She was on the the megaphone being vocal about the different issues, the plight of our community. And a few days later, I found out that Toyin has gone missing here in Tallahassee. And it bothered me for that week that she was missing because it was just like, I just saw her. We just saw her. We were just out there with her. Come to find out, Toyin had been kidnapped, repeatedly sexually assaulted after she had posted on her Twitter where she had been. She described the house, the car that he drove, what he looked like. And we just found out not too long ago, well, they discovered her body. And I didn't know how to cope with that. I didn't know how to cope with being out there protesting with someone and then a week later they're gone and not just by natural causes not just by an accident but they're gone at the hands of the same people that they are fighting for a black man sexually assaulted her and took her life A black man felt like she wasn't worthy enough of her life and that he had the wherewithal to have control over when she took her last breath. I still don't know how to cope with that. I still don't know how to cope with that. As black men and women, we have to do a better job being advocates for each other. Black women fight so hard for black men, and sometimes it feels as if it is not reciprocated equally. So we have to do better about that. We have to do better about that. We have to raise our boys to become men who stand for something, who don't feel like because they are men, they have ownership to a a woman's body, or that a black woman is not valuable. We have to do better. We have to do better, but I am going to end this here. My thoughts, my heart, my prayers are with each and every one of you during this time. Please, if you are feeling depressed, if you feel as if you don't have anyone to talk to, if you feel as if no one is listening right now, if you feel as if you are hopeless, please know, as I say all the time, that my DMs are open Reach out to me. Listen, it is hard. It is hard with things being locked down, having to quarantine, having to be in the house. Trust me, I have been there. And with everything going on, all of the civil unrest, it is hard to cope. If you feel like you need someone to talk to, please reach out to me and I will personally talk to you, okay? You are not alone. You are not here alone. I care about you. I need you here. I need you to breathe. I need you to be alive because there is still work to be done. You still have a purpose. I'm going to leave it at that. Stay black, stay carefree, and we will see you in the coming weeks with some guests to help me out to ease back into this. 
Um, and thank you guys for being here and really understanding why I hadn't been able to just come and talk about things because just thank you. <laughs> stay black, stay carefree, and I'll see you guys next week in a new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.